I always ask Rishas from Moradina. I say the people who teach your children are your teachers too, so Rishas, uh, Rishas everybody. What a special thing to be part of. And so I wanted to speak for a few minutes about Jewish names. We're just starting Sefer Shmos. And there's a lot to talk about in Halacha. I just bumped into a friend of mine who told me that Rosh Weiss uh, this evening is speaking about uh, Jewish names, something that he, he wrote about already in the Minchas Asher. But I wanted to speak for a little bit about Jewish names. I'll mention one or two things in halacha just to, to ground ourselves. And hopefully the goal, obviously in addition to uh, that all of our learning should be Le'ilei Nishmas, Rafi's father, his full name is? Pesach Yitzchak. Pesach Yitzchak ben Yosef. That our, our learning should be Le'ilei Nishmaso. And that we should all be inspired to be better of Deshem. That's the goal of Torah study in general. That when we study Torah, we should be inspired to serve Hashem a little bit better. We should get to know ourselves a little bit better. And what the Torah is, if nothing else, is the Torah is a guidebook to show us how to be the best version of ourselves. Hashem wrote the manual for how a person is supposed to comport themselves in the world. So we'll begin with uh, a story that I I hope to, to circle back around to at the end. Just yesterday was the yurtzeit of the Bnei Saschar. Bnei Saschar is a, a nephew of the Noam Elimelech of Lezhensk. And my family personally has a very deep connection to the Bnei Saschar, no familial connection. We owe a lot of our relationship with different aspects of Torah and being comfortable in a lot of different areas of Torah, whether it be from the world of the Sephardim, whether it be from the world of Rav Kook, whether it be in the world of Halacha, whether it be in the world of Pshat, Remez, Josh, and so it's really... Because the Bnei Saschar was a person who, who was connected. He wrote Perushim on, on the Gemara, on, on Talmud, and he wrote Perushim on Chumash, and he wrote on Kabbalah, and he wrote on so many different things. And to make a very long story short, you know, my father uh, grew up, you know, he went to uh, a Jewish day school, and we always kept Shabbos and Kashras, but he wasn't like on fire for learning Torah in the way that he now is. And he attributes the entire thing, and I really will say the story very shortly, to a trip that he took to Florida for a, a simcha, and they spent Shabbos in this shul in Florida, and he ended up sitting down in the shul next to one of the Svarim uh, Aronot. And as he was sitting there, he pulled a book off the shelf, which turned out to be the Bnei Saschar. And he opened it up in the Bnei for, note, for those who are familiar with the Sefer, the Sefer is organized according to the months of the year. And he opened it up, and he started, he opened it up to, to Elul, and he sees, you know, that the, the name of Hashem for Elul is like this, and and there's a specific letter that's the the, the, the nihil, and there's certain activities that are connected to. And he says, they never taught me about this in high school. I don't know what this is. So he, when he said he when he got back to Philadelphia, which is where I grew up, he went to one of his teachers and he said, he said, we need to you need to teach me this. What is this? And from there, he fell in love with learning Gemara and fell in love with learning with learning, with, with really everything. So I feel a certain sense of uh, a debt of gratitude to the Bnei Saschar. And yesterday was his yurtzeit. So. There's a story like this. You know, they say that the Bnei Saschar had, they, they used to call him the, the, the rabbi with two brains. There are other rabbis like this also, but they used to call him the rabbi with two brains because he would sit and he would, 
write Chidushe Torah as he was, he was a Hasidic rabbi, and he would have people coming to his office at all hours of the night, and people would come in and they would share their problems, and sometimes there were spiritual problems, sometimes there were financial problems, or, or Shalom Bayes problems, or someone wanted to have a child, and it was just a constant stream of people coming into the house of the B'nai Saskar, into the base Medrash of the B'nai Saskar, and as he would sit and listen to people talk, he would sit and he would just, he would be able to like kind of bifurcate his brain in a way where he would be able to, to write down Chidushe Torah, he'd be writing down all these different things. And at the same time, he'd be able to listen with absolute clarity and give uh, remarkable advice. So the Bnei Saskar had a, a son named David. It's a good name. So, uh, Rav David Dinever. His name was Tzvi Elimelech, his son's name was David. And Rav David Dinever, uh, he, he didn't, wasn't known to have this type of uh, quality like his father that he was able to do that. And he used to, you know, he, when people would come and talk to him, he would sit and he would listen to them. And when people left, he would sit and he would learn, but he wouldn't do them both at the same time. So one time, there was a, an elderly woman who came to Rav David Dinever, and she's sitting there in his, uh, in his study, and she's pouring out her heart you know, to him and talking about all the difficulties that she's having in her life and, and if David Dinover's sitting there looking at her so intently and he's trying to pay attention to everything that she's saying, you know, and taking it all, all in. And she says, you know what, Rabbi? She said, I'm a pretty old, old, older woman, you know, like I, I, was, I was here when your father was, was in charge. You're nothing like your father. <laughs> so he said, he said, what do you mean? She said, when I would come to your father and I would tell him about my problems, he would write down every single <laughs> word. He would write every word down, and it was so important to him to write every word down. But it's such a deep story. I want to explain this story. The whole sheer is just to explain this story. But in order to explain the story and to recognize that the depth of this story and what we're going to explain about the, uh, what it means, a Jewish name, and what it means to... For, for, to go to it, to be able to be in the presence of a Talmud Chacham and a Tzaddik who is able to listen to your worries and to write them down in this way. <clears throat> so in order to do that in the proper way, we need to begin by talking about some of the, just very briefly, some of the halachos about using a Jewish name. And if there is or is not uh, an issue, spoiler alert, there's not really such a big issue if, if you don't have a Jewish name. Uh, we, always, we, always, we, always, we always joke in my family as well that my older brother, my oldest brother, um, is named uh, Matthew Eric Weinberg. That's his name. And he goes by Moshe Tzvi. And my name is David Mark Weinberg, and I go by Davidal. And my younger brother is Joshua Daniel, and he goes by Josh. He's, he's, he kept the Josh. So we always say to my parents, like, what did you expect? You named us after, like, you know, three apostles, like Matthew, Eric, and Mark, and, like, we, like so, like, we went to, you know, we became all frummy with, like, the names, but Josh, Yoshua, Daniel, Josh, Joshua, Daniel, these are good Jewish names, you know, like, he kept, uh, he kept like, his, his good Jewish name. So the spoiler alert is that there's not really an issue in halacha, per se, of, of not using one's, uh, one's Jewish name, and... You know, the, the story goes back to, and, and like I mentioned before, of Asher uh, Weiss wrote quite a bit about this in the Minchas Asher, that there's a machlokes, let's say, between uh, the Hungarian poskim, uh, the Maram Shik, who is a Talmud of the Chassam Sofer, has a very strong, uh, strongly worded tshuva, responsa, where he writes about people who were uh, writing Gitten or Ksubos, and they were using their non-Jewish names, or whatever the names that they were given at birth, which were 
names of the particular province that they were living in. And the Maram Shik says, Chas v'shalom, to write a non-Jewish name in a get or in a ksuba. These are holy documents, you know. The Tosos in the beginning learns out that get, you know, how these different... Uh, Gematria of Ged is 12, the 12 lines of the Ged, and everything is so precise. And how could you put a non-Jewish name into a Ged and a Ksuba? The Ksuba is the Osios Ksav Vavhe. You know, it's part of Hashem's name, the, to write the Vavhe of Hashem's name, Yudhe and Vavhe. And he writes a whole, you know, how could you possibly put, put, this, uh, put this in there? Uh, a, a name in, in, these, in these documents. Mela, you know, a person, and then he, and then, you know, he was a Talmud of the Chassam Sofer. The Chassam Sofer, you know, uh, Chassam Sofer wrote in his in his last will and testament to his children, he said, you know, the Pasuk says that when Yaakov returned after his battle with Sarah Shal Esav, and he had a limp, so at the end it says Yaakov came back and he was Shalem. Shalem. So he says that uh, Shalem is the Rosh Tevos of the famous uh, Medrash, which is not a Medrash, we don't have it exactly in this order. We have different Medrashim that have four, a list of this four and this, you know, but the, the famous Medrash is that, you know, uh, they didn't change their names, so Shalem is shame. Lashon and Malbush. So he wrote in his, uh, he said that Yaakov came back Shalem. What it means for a Jew to come back Shalem is to, to maintain a person's name and their language and their, and their Malbush. And this is a very Hungarian, Chassam Sofer, you know, uh, anti-enlightenment, you know, Hachadash Asr Minat Torah, nothing novel is permitted by the Torah. And the Chassam Sofer was, was like of this, of this ilk. And it's not surprising to see that the Maram Shik, his Talmud, uh, followed in a, in, a similar, in a similar way. However, there were other uh, poskim um, who felt, especially by, uh, by the conversos in, 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 you know, in the time when Jews had to hide their identity, so there's some discussions about you know, people writing letters back and forth to family members. They had to keep, you know, they had to keep things under wraps and when they would write. And so somebody asked, you know, there's several different poskim who were asked about, uh, about using non-Jewish names in, in a way that you know, maybe in business or in, in trying to write letters and making sure that we keep up appearances for the outside world. Is that any problem? Is that problematic? And, and the post can say, no, it's not really a problem. And there's a number of reasons, a number of ways that we can sort of look at that. There's a, a landmark tshuva by Rav Moshe Feinstein, which is obviously much later, where Rav Moshe Feinstein really lays down the, the main rule, which is that when... Chazal tell us that because they didn't change their name and their language and their, and their, and their clothing, so that's, we were zochah to, to be redeemed from Egypt, to come out of Mitzrayim. So, yeah, because there wasn't a Torah yet. In other words, we didn't have Jewish, we didn't have, you know, we didn't have Lulav and Esrog, and we didn't have uh, Shofar, and we didn't have Shema Yisrael Hashem Elkeinu Hashem Echad. I mean, according to Chazal, it goes back to Yaakov Avinu. But we didn't have these, Pesukim, we didn't have any of the things that make us Jewish, independent of a person could have a, a, a name that's not one of the names of the Avos or one of the Shvatim, but, but they were tzitzis and they wear a yarmulke and they give tzedakah and they have shofar and they have, you know, they have uh, all these different things that make them so Jewish. It's, it says Rav Moshe Feinstein when, the, when, when Chazal tell us that because they didn't change these three things, they were zochah to redemption, yeah, because that's all they had. That was the only thing that was keeping them, you know, together as a nation. That was their national identity. They didn't have, you know, cheesecake on Shavuos yet or whatever. Like, they didn't have any of these things. I have to just say, since we're already, like, uh, saying some good jokes here, I have to say one more joke. This is for my older brother as well. My older brother, I, I teach in, in, you know, 18, 19-year-old boys who come to, to Eretz Yisrael for a year or two to learn. Sometimes they stick around and they, uh, they make aliyah. Sometimes they go back 
and do university in America, and then they come back later. Sometimes they go back and they don't come back at all, or we're still waiting for them to come back. But um, so my brother, he teaches in Yeshiva University in New York. So sometimes when the boys go back after first year, so he has this funny thing that he, he tells, he says, because sometimes they want to come back for a second year. So he says to them, you know, if you want to go back to Eretz Yisrael, meaning if you want to get out of exile, you have to do three things. You have to not change your name, not change your language, and not change your dress. Meaning, if you went to Eretz Yisrael and you went as, you know, David, so then if you want to ask your parents to go back for a second year, don't go back as Davidal. You know, that's good. <laughs> and if you went to, to Eretz Yisrael and you used to wear polo shirts, and then you come back and you're dressed wearing white shirts, you're not going to be able to be redeemed to go back to, to Eretz Yisrael. And if you... You know, and if, you, uh, and if you're all the time saying, oh, Ima, wow, everything's so geschmack, and, you know, like, and you're using all these funny yeshivish words, then your parents aren't going to send you back. So if a person wants to be redeemed from, from, uh, from exile, you know, so they have, to, they have to make sure that they maintain their, their shame, lashon, and, and malbush in a different way as well. So this is, the, this is the, the, the basic overview, the basic framework of a person using their name. Uh, Rav Asher even has a very novel suggestion that, he, he wants to say that even according to the Maram Shek, and even according to those who would say that a person shouldn't use a non-Jewish name, you know, period, and so better not to use it, certainly not in a, a get or in something like that. So he says, you know, that's specifically, if you read the Maram Shek's tshuva, says, says Rav Asher, uh, that's specifically if a person is doing it in order to, you know, they feel uncomfortable with their Judaism and they're trying to hide their Judaism, they're trying to fit in in a, it's something that we don't really necessarily feel so strongly here in Eretz Yisrael as, as much. But a person who wants to, you know, they feel uncomfortable with their Judaism and so therefore they're trying to hide it. Or perhaps, he says, when it says they didn't change their name, their language, or their clo- uh, and their clothing, it means all three of them at the same time. But if a person, you know, dresses Jewish but has a non-Jewish name, but, uh, you know, uses this language... Or, so as long as you have one of the three, you know, even the Ma'am Shik would be okay with it. But at the end of the day, there's really not a problem with a person using their non-Jewish name because Baruch Hashem, we have Torah and mitzvahs and thank Hashem for that. So what I wanted to now move into is maybe a slightly different way of thinking about this. And I hope that it's, uh, you know, uh, maybe some, some people here aren't used to learning Torah in this type of way, but it, we, we, we owe it to ourselves to try to expand our horizons to, in the way that we normally conceive of and think of Torah. And um, so I want to start with something from the, from the B'nai Sasra, like I said before. There's two, two teachings from the B'nai Sasra and one from his uncle, from the Noam Elimelech, and we'll have some help from our friends along the way. So the B'nai Sasra writes that it's remarkable that uh, this book, and especially, you know, there's a famous Balaturim, the Balaturim says, Ve'elishmos B'nai Yisrael habayim, Mitzrayma, the Eilish Mos Bnei Yisrael Habayim is is the Rosh Hashanah. So the word Shivya, Shmos Bnei Yisrael Habayim is Shin Beis Yud is a Shivya. That even when we were in captivity, we were Shmos Bnei Yisrael. We kept our we kept our Jewish names. What that means, what the Baal Torah is saying, and and Bnei Yisrael doesn't quote this Baal Torah, but what that means on a certain level is that the Mitzrayim were doing everything that they could to undermine our Jewish names on a certain level. He says, if you look you'll see very clearly in Parshas, you know, in the Parshios at the end of Barishas, that Paro gives the name Tzafnas Panayach to, to Yosef HaTzadik. And we see in these Parshios that we have these Miyaldos Ha'ivrios, 
who are called Shifra and Pua. And this is a very, I mean, we could give a whole shir on this, just on Shifra and Pua and who they are. And we know that it's Yocheved and Miriam, according to Rashi. That's like a, a little bit of a more famous interpretation. But there's, a, there's many different interpretations about what, what it might mean, Shifra and Pua. The Svarno suggests that these are two uh, different jobs. These are two names of sort of uh, larger conglomerates. You know, there's like, uh, there's a Shifra and there's a Pua. Like there's a, a baby nurse and there's the nurse for the mother. And that these were the people who were in charge. Now, what's fascinating is that what the Bnei Sashar then does is he suggests that Paro, in trying to give these names of Tzafnas Paneach and Shifra and Pua, which were not just, you know, these weren't just titles, but these were names that were given to these people, is a way to sort of slowly, listen, we're not going to take away your, your, your proper name. You know, your name is Yocheved, your name is Yocheved, but we're going to start to call you Shifra and Pua. And, you know, we'll, we'll, and the intercom's going to ring like, Shifra, please come to the baby ward, you know, Shifra to the baby ward. And slowly, slowly, you're going to start thinking of yourself in these terms, and you'll start thinking of yourself as Safnas Paneach and Shifra and Pua. And little by little, you'll maybe start to forget, even if ever so slightly, that you're Yocheved and that you're Miriam and that you're Yosef and that you're Ruven Shimon Levi Yehud and all the names of the, of the Shvatim. To make matters uh, slightly more interesting, the Sefer Emes Liyakov, Rav Yaakov Kamenetsky, in Parshas Vayechi, and also again in Parshas Shmos, in two places he has this idea, he says that, isn't it interesting that the names Tzafnas Paneach, Shifra, Pua, and he even suggests the name Ephraim, which is Yosef's son, Ephraim, as well. He suggests that all of these, it's like they're very Peresh heavy, and even Peresh Ayin heavy. And he suggests that Shifra, Pua, Tzafnas, Paneach, that there's a lot of Pez, Resh, and Ayin in there because this is a way of giving Kavod to Paro. This is like a, this is, these are all Egyptian names, Shifra and Pua and Tzafnas, Paneach is not, uh, and even Ephraim, he wants to suggest that these names, which is why he suggests that Ephraim needs a little bit extra attention from Yaakov because he's already, Menashe is, 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 is already, he's a good, has a good Jewish name, but Ephraim is already a little bit closer to, to this way of, of the Egyptian way of naming uh, children. We, we use the name Ephraim now because of, of Ephraim, so we use it as a Jewish name. But he suggests that the, the, the names Paro and Peresh Ayin, as it presents itself throughout Shifra and Pua and Safan and all these different things, is, um, is specifically a way of giving honor to Paro. That these are Egyptian names that are Tnu Kavod to the Melech, Mitzrayim. And if you put that together with what the Bnei Sashar just said, so then I think it makes, it starts to make the case that, you know, it wasn't just like a, a nice little uh, title that Paro was giving them, that the Mitzrayim were giving these people, but rather there's an attempt to undermine something of the authenticity of their Jewish names. If we go even one step deeper than that, just one step deeper than that, so we can understand that when Chazal tell us that the Jewish people didn't change their names. What does that mean, that they didn't change their names? So here, again, I'd like to quote from the Bnei Sashar in the Sefer Agra Dekala. Agra Dekala is a pretty difficult Sefer, and sometimes can be a little bit esoteric, but I think we'll, I think we'll be okay. My father, has a, when he buys us Sfarim occasionally, so he sometimes he'll write in the in the front. So I, I remember distinctly in the front of one of the Sfarim, it says, it's, I mean, it's true also uh, literally, but he, he wrote, don't be afraid of the, of, the, of the deep end, I taught you how to swim. That's what he wrote. And he was talking about, I mean, it's true also he taught me how to swim, but, but he, he was talking about the, the deeper things. So 
uh, I'm a certified uh, lifeguard here, so you don't have to be worried. And he's not going to say anything which is too, uh, which is too heavy. So the Agra de Kala of Tzvila Melech of Dinov, as we were saying before, the hero of the, of the story who was writing down every word of this, of this lady, and we'll come back to that again soon, writes the following. He says, what does it mean to say that in, in Mitzrayim, the Jewish people didn't change their names? What does that mean not to change your name? So he says, L'chol adam yesh lo shem, hu ha-shem Every person has a name, and your name is a, the, my name is David Henoch Mordechai, and so my neshama on a certain level is Dalid Vav Dalid. I'm not going to spell the whole thing out for you, but the, my, my name is, is, is spelled out in the letters of my name. That's what it means. And to not change my name doesn't just mean, says B'nai Sashar, that I change my name to, you know, to something, you know, I change my name from David to Christopher. That's not, that's not what it means. What it means is that a person has their name that they're given when they're born. And then what could happen is there are all types of ways that a person's name can subtly shift in ways that you don't even realize. You might still get called up to the Torah in the same way, or you might still be davened for if you're not feeling well with that name, or you might still, you know, refer to yourself in, in, in this way, but, but it could be that your name subtly shifted in some way. And I'll, I'll give you a few examples. We know that, for example, one, uh, another David, David HaMelech, so David HaMelech had a, an enemy, an enemy, someone who had it out for him, whose name was Doeg. Doeg Adomi. So Doeg, okay, bear with me a little here for a moment. Doeg, Doeg's name is Dalid Vav, Aleph, Gimel. Aleph and Gimel is what? It's Dalid. So you have David and you have Doeg. That's peculiar. Right? And the two of them are... Because it's, and it's possible, on a, on a, there's obviously there's the historical person, Doeg, and there's the historical uh, story of David and Doeg. And, but it's possible for a person that they think their name, I'll just speak about myself here, you know, for a minute. It's possible, I think my name is David, but maybe somehow subtly in my life, David is Mali Bitachon, David is, you know, supposed to be, he's Banit Fila, you know, Hashem is, is, is Mogin David, is pretty. And, but maybe I, I fell into a place of doeg, maybe without even realizing it, in some subtle shift, the dalid split into an aleph and a gimel. And now in Shemayim, the way that my, my name is written out is, is doeg. There's a, there's a, it's, it's found in the postkin, the postkin quote this, it's, it's even in the art scroll sitter. In the art scroll sitter, they have in the back, after Shemona Esrei, a different way you could, you could say the first and last letter of your name. You know what that's about? That's, that's about this, that's the Shlach Kadosh writes. It's really from the Kitzar Ashla, which is maybe not from the Shla, that the that that you know when a person stands by by Din Vicheshbon after 120, so the a person's <coughs> name, you know, they're gonna say, you know, so and so is up for you know time to time for uh, and, and and every year by a yurt site, when a person has an aliyah, it could be also not only to we shouldn't be scared here, it's not not only that, but we could have an aliyah that our name could be, you know, could be elevated in some way. You don't only go from David to Doeg, you could go from from uh, whatever you think your name is now, and it could be elevated to, a, to an even higher place. And it could be that every year, you know, halavai, it should be higher and higher and higher, that a person's name is changing all the time. 
and it's developing all the time, different branches and different, different aspects of, of a person's name. So when a person doesn't, when a person doesn't live out the particular goal that was met for them, that was left for them, then all of a sudden, shinu eshmam, their name starts to change. Now this might sound very strange or very, you know, esoteric or something, but the truth is that anybody who's ever studied, I, I happen to be a, a lover of language in general, but anyone who's ever studied language at all understands there was a, there was a, a person who won a Nobel Prize. His name was Ferdinand de Saussure. And he won a Nobel Prize for something which on the, on the surface is very simple. Very simple. He said, everything in the world has a, a signifier and a signified. So he says like this, very simple, a, a tree. So everyone knows what a tree is here. So there's a tree. The tree is the signified object. The signifier is the word tree. What does the word tree have to do with the thing called the tree? So he wrote a whole, and he gave lectures on this, he gave a whole, wrote a whole long paper on this, and he developed something called the theory of arbitrariness, which totally revolutionized language and how people looked at language. And he basically said, there is no connection between the word tree and the concept of a tree. Not only that, but he said, if I make a picture of a tree, why is that a tree? Because I made like two like, things like this, and then I made like a little squiggly on the top. So that's a, what does that have to do with a tree? That's not a tree. That itself is also a, a signifier of a tree. Now, the Jewish people are very peculiar people because we're the only people who have the chutzpah to say it's not true. By the, by, by the Hebrew language, we, this is the major revolution that the, the Jewish people came, the, the, the Ramban, when the Ramban talks about how when Hashem created the world, there's something called hiuli, the Greeks referred to, which is like the, the primary matter. The, it's before we knew about atoms and protons and neutrons and electrons and quarks and you know, quantum matter. So they, they called it hiuli. But it was, it was something physical. The Jewish people for thousands of years have been saying, no, 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 the whole world is made up of letters. And, the, and specifically, it's made up of the letters of the Aleph Beis. And I'm also made up of letters. And we're all made up of letters. And Shalosh Shinu Eshmam, says the Bnei Saschar, means that they didn't reorganize in a negative light the job that was given to them, that was imprinted on their neshamos through the letters that were given to them at birth. And that's what it means on a much deeper level. Not just that they didn't change their name to non-Jewish names, but that they maintained an integrity to their mission in this world. Now, what happens when a person changes their, their name in this way of the B'nai Saskar? So the Gemara tells us that if a person has, a, let's say there's a sick person in your home, so the Gemara says you should go chacham, you should go to a Chacham, and the Chacham will help you straighten it out. If you look in the Sefer Noam Elimelech, which is uh, Elimelech of Lezhensk, it's, uh, it's well known that, that uh, the Noam Elimelech told the Bnei Saskar's mother, you should name, your, your, she was expecting, and he said, when you have a child, you should name the child Elimelech after me. And she got all upset. She said, we're not Svardim, you know, we don't, we, you know, she, she got all upset. She thought, like, maybe he's trying to say that he's going to leave the world. Well, uh, you know, he got, he, she got very upset. So she, she got nervous about it, so she... She decided she was going to call him Tzvi Elimelech instead of just Elimelech. And after she named him Tzvi Elimelech, Sir Elimelech of Lezhensk said to, said to her, I think it was his niece, he said to her, Tzvi Elimelech is a nice name, but Elimelech it's not. So he says, nah, he's not going to be, he won't be exactly, I, I knew what I was saying when I said what I said, 
and Tzvi Melech, but he won't be. And, and the Dinavar used to say that all the time. He'd say, you know, my uncle said from the very beginning of that I, I was never going to be as great as him. So the, the, the Noam Elimelech writes that what happens when you go to a, this is in, uh, in Parshas Vayishlach. He says, what happens when you go to a Chacham, when you go to a Tzadik, and the Tzadik is sitting there, and you write your name, and, and, and that's, that's what people do, right? When, when people would go and stand on line for hours to go get a dollar from the Lubavitcher Rebbe, or when people go, there's a, a Tzadik here in, in Bayit Vagan named the Amshanover Rebbe. So I had an opportunity once to stand there in front of him. It's like the most unbelievable thing, just to stand there for five minutes and to talk to him for, you know, he speaks English well also. So, and, and so you go there and you, you pour out your heart, and, and, you, and you, sometimes you, you write down your name on a, on a piece of paper and you give it to him, and the Rebbe could look at it. And, and, and what's happening there, says the Nomel Melech. The Nomel Melech says what's happening is that, and you don't have to be heebie-jeebie about it, there's nothing, is that your name somehow could be that it was, that you're coming to him because you have a problem, right? You have, there's some issue that you're trying to deal with. And the only problem is that you don't know how to, this is, this is beyond your pay grade. You never went to school for this. You never studied this. And, but he knows, the, the, the Chacham knows, and that's what the Gemara means when it says if there's a Chole in your house, you should go to a Chacham who will daven for you. What does it mean, he'll daven for you? He'll, daven, he'll use the Hebrew words to rearrange your name so that everything will go back exactly the way that it was supposed to be before. And if this sounds like, a, again, like I said before, if this sounds like a strange thing, the truth is, it's a, it's a bir halacha. I mean, not exactly, but it's a bir halacha. The bir halacha writes... The Bir Halacha writes in Hilchus Kriyat Shema, an amazing thing. The Bir Halacha is in the middle of talking about how a person is permitted to say Shema, and other, there's certain uh, other things, you can say Shema in any language. It's permitted to say Shema in any language. It's a technicality that we don't do it because we don't know exactly how to translate, you know, is Shema listen, or is it hear, or is it understand deeply? You know, like Tosa starts in Chagiga, that Shema actually means to hear deeply, to, to listen to listen and, and not just to hear the, the sound, but to hear and, in, you know, internalize what you're saying. So it would take forever to say Shema in a translation because the word Shema means all those things, but we'd have to somehow say them all if we were translating it to English. But al a person is able to say certain things in, uh, in, in other languages. Now, what's remarkable is that in the Bir Halacha, the Bir Halacha writes like the following, which I remember the first time I saw this, my... My hair stood on end. He writes, that which uh, I wrote in the Mishnah Brura, and that which the post can say, that a person is permitted to speak uh, Shema and certain other things in any language that they want, that's only if, here I'll read inside, the Osan Dvar Manar Bechol those things which are permitted to be said in any language, who Davkim Anshe Osan Medirim Vidavim Kach. That's if you're in a place where other people are like, let's say you speak French and you're in America and most people in America don't speak French. So you can't say Shema in French in America even though you understand what you're saying because it's not a language which is understood by the people in the... Now, what does that have to do with anything? Why can't I speak French if I understand French just because everyone else speaks English? He says, you know why? If they can't speak the language that you're speaking... There's a few other people who, you know, it's him and a few other people, but that's it. That's not even called speaking. That's just making funny sounds. That doesn't mean anything. They listen to this. He says, 
Because the Hebrew language, as I was saying before, we're the only ones who have the Chet. Yeah, when I say Shema Yisrael, that's a language independent of, even if I don't understand that it, I'm saying something which is essential and which is real, because these are the letters that the whole Bria is made up of. When Hashem said Yehi Or, it was in Lashna Kodesh. And so if I speak in Lashna Kodesh, even if no one else understands what I'm saying, this, is, this, is the et, the, this language is et, the Etzema language. But if I speak French in America, it's just a con- language is a convention. Ferdinand de Saussure was right. It, it's, it's arbitrary. What am I saying? I'm just making like boopity bop sounds. Like I'm not doing anything that's, that's reasonable. I'm not saying anything. And so therefore when you go to a tzaddik and a tzaddik is operating on the level of seeing the world in Lashna Kodesh in this way that a person's neshama is filled with letters. And uh, more than that, I'll, I'll, I'll say just one more thing and then we'll, we'll come back to the story and we'll start to close up here. But Rav Kook writes so beautifully in the Sefer Oros. In his, uh, in his Sefer Oros, in the first section on Eretz Yisrael, and how fortunate we are to, to be here in Eretz Yisrael, sitting on this table, not having to worry about, uh, you know, about having to fit in. Baruch Hashem, we're surrounded with, 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 with fellow Jews. And Rav Kook writes, in Ozayin, in, in, in the section here on Eretz Yisrael, Malei neshama osios maleos a person's neshama is filled with letters. There's letters that are popping around all over. We don't, uh, my, my wife and children like this book, this, um, this movie called Inside Out. I don't know if you ever saw this movie. It's like a Pixar movie about a little girl and she has these like uh, emotions in her head that are like, you know, operating system over there. So we don't have these little uh, monsters in our head that are like, you know, anger and sadness and happiness and all these different things. We have Letters that are popping all over our body and all over, and there's in our Malayan Shama, Osios Malayos Orachaim, Malayos Deaviratson, Malayos Ruachav. We're filled with these things, and especially in Eretz Yisrael, especially in Eretz Yisrael, those letters are able because we, we're here in a place where we speak Lashna Kodesh and we're in Eretz Kodesh, and these letters are, are, are the way that we're supposed to find our direction in this world. So when a person loses that direction and they go to a tzaddik, they go to a, a Talmud Chacham. The Talmud Chacham, sometimes the Talmud Chacham doesn't even know. Sometimes it could just be a person who knows halacha well. And you go and you start to talk about the issue. And maybe they're not malumad. Maybe it could be that there's certain Talmud Chacham who, who aren't learned in this, you know, more esoteric doctrine of putting the letters back together in this way. But they know, they know how to pask in the shaila. And so whether they realize it or not, like we were just saying a moment ago, whether you recognize the Lashna Kodesh or you don't understand the Lashna Kodesh, you're putting things back together. And when you go to a Talmud Chacham and ask them to daven and they use the language of tefillah and the osios of their neshama and the osios of your neshama come together, it puts your name back to, together the way that it's supposed to be. That even if shinu eshmam, even if a person changed their name, they're able to come back together. And so now I would like to suggest, and I, I, I feel, you know, a little bit chutzpah trying to understand uh, the story that I started with, because uh, who am I to darshan what, what the Bnei Saschar was doing? But what I would say is that even though we all had a, a good chuckle when the woman said to Rav David Diniver, you know, she said, you're, you're nothing like your, your father. Your father, when I would pour out my heart, he would write down every single thing that I was saying. And I really believe that the truth is that when the Bnei Sassar was sitting there writing down Chidushe Torah, you think he was writing down Chidushe Torah just like uh, he was taking the letters of the person's suffering and sorrows and whatever the difficulty of the person was dealing with, and he was turning it back into, into beautiful divrei Torah, that they're, that they're written in the proper order. Like the tzaddikim explained that Yaakov avinu lo meis, because he's the ishtam, 
tam and meis. And that if a person feels like they're in a state of, of, of plague, of nega, so then the tzaddik knows how to turn that back around and turn it into oneg. And that when a person is, is in the presence of someone who knows how to take the letters of the soul, like Rav Kook was talking about in Sefer Oros, and he knows how to put them back together to make beautiful Divrei Torah, it's not that he was doing two things at once. He was doing one thing. He was taking the, the, the suffering and the, and the difficulty and the, the shinu eshmam, all of the different changes and, 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 and manipulations of the soul that, were, that the person did to themselves through uh, maybe the slightest, you know, each person on their own level, the slightest sort of deviation from their, from their mission in this world. And the tzaddik then takes that and is able to put it back together in a way where they're, they're making beautiful divrei Torah that put the person's life back together. They're putting all the pieces back together. So, as I mentioned before, um, it is undoubtedly the case that when a person comes to a yurtzeit, when a person comes to the Yom Bashana, so it's an opportunity again to focus. We, we, we mentioned at the beginning the name, and we daven for ourselves, and we daven for the nifter, but we daven also for the, for the children, and we daven for each of us sitting here, that whatever our name is in its current formulation, Whatever it looks like now, Hashem should help us that the name should go back to the way that it was supposed to be and then higher and higher. That the name that, whatever the name that we were given should be able to go from one level to the next level and, and there are infinite, literally infinite levels. So I'll end with a teaching from the Me'ashilavach, from the Ishbitzer Rabbi. The Ishbitzer quotes the Medrash in Kohelis Rabbah that the Medrash says in Kohelis Rabbah that there are shlosha shemos yesh la'adam. A person has three names. A person has three names. There's the name Echad Mashakarlo Avivimo. There's the name that a person's father and mother call them. There's Echad Mashakarlo Bne Adam. There's that which their friends call them, what the people in the community call them. And then says the Medrash in Kohelas, the Echad Mashakanalatzmo, and one that he makes for himself. And what that means in terms of what we what we've been talking about here is that it's true that when a person is given a name, that name is 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 a map. It's a direction. It's telling them something about what their job is supposed to be in this world. And even if a person doesn't think in these sort of esoteric terms, but it means that it, when, when a, forget the name itself. It means that a parent knows how to invest in a child a certain sense of, here's what we stand for. Here's what our family is about. Here's what are the important values that we stand for. And all of that is somehow encapsulated in your name. And, and a lot of times you're named after you know, an ancestor who, who carried these values and had these, these names. And that's the name that you get from your parents. That's the name that we all get from our parents, the values that we've gotten from our parents. And then a person starts to take those values and they grow up a little bit and they come into a community and they come into a, a world where they're surrounded by other people and they share those values and they learn other values from other people and they get a new name. And the new name is the name that the people around them call them, that the Bnei Adam, that their, that their community members call them. And that's also a very of name. And when we think about the Barnett family, you know, the, this is a, there's a name. There's a name that, that we give them, that we give them, and there's a name that they give us. And, that, and we're, we're, we're naming each other all the time. Even if we're not using specific words, we're not like, uh, giving nicknames or something like that, but we're naming each other all the time. We're saying, ah, that's, this, is, this is the person that you go to if you, you know, if, you need a, if you need a good word, and this is the person you go to if you need some tzedakah, and this is the person that you go to if you, you, know, if you need someone to, to help with some communal matter, and this is the person you go to if you want some good salted uh, uh, almonds, like uh, Rafi always brings me the good salted almonds. And you, that's a name. That's a name that you have. And you get it from the people in your community. 
But then, on top of that, there's the name that you make for yourself. And as we're, again, like I'm saying, as we're, as we're sitting here on, the, on a yurt site and we're thinking about uh, the name of your father and we're thinking about, there's a name that he's making for himself and that he made for himself and that he's continuing to make for himself based on, because one of the things it doesn't say is the name that you get from your children. That's not, that's, that's part of the name that you make for yourself. <laughs> the name that you get for yourself is the name that, from what you gave to your children and what they're able to continue carrying on to their children, to the next generation, is something which is a continuous unfolding of that person's name. So Hashem should help that your father should have an Elias Neshama and should continue to have great nachas from you and from all of your children and grandchildren. And we should be zochet together to come to the great day when we're standing by Mashiach Tzidkenu. You know, the Beis HaMikdash is built with the letters like Betzalel was able to put the letters together to make the Mishkan. The same thing is true of the Beis HaMikdash. All of the letters from Aleph to Taf should be put back together and our names should be returned to their proper order with the Biasko Tzadik Mahir of Amen. 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 Amen.